All right, so let's get down to it. This is not a uh, episode of Average Joe's Above Average Beer podcast like normal, but just so you know, you can go and find me on Instagram at Average Joe's Beer Podcast and find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and then you can do uh, JoeBob401 on Twitter and also the same on, on Untap, so you can follow me, see what I'm drinking, go like the Facebook page. The biggest thing is to go to iTunes and leave a review. Uh, if you can leave a five-star review, that is so helpful for the podcast. Just boosts it up in the rankings and whatnot and gets people on board. Uh, if you can write a little write a little blurb, that's always, it's always helpful uh, if you like the content. So this is a unique thing. Uh, this was a uh, panel discussion recorded at the beginning of December at Crafted 1979, which you guys by now know that I've been working there for the last year and a half or so. So this is a panel live discussion. Uh, we had 12 taps of Revolution going on. Uh, we threw on like seven Deepwood series beers, and we invited Josh Noel, the writer uh, of a great book, great, great book, uh, Barrel-Aged Stouts and Selling Out. So Josh came in and he, he signed some books and he kind of did a, like a little reading and ep- excerpt from the book. And then we put together the panel uh, that included uh, Bobby Eggins from um, Windy City, his VP over there. Uh, my uh, owner and, and boss and good friend of mine, Denver Worker, sat in on this panel. And then the coup de grace on that with Josh Noel. We also paired that with Josh Deeth from Revolution Brewing, the founder, the mastermind behind the Deepwood series. And uh, just had some great things to say. These guys had a great discussion all led by Josh Noel, uh, writer on the Tribune, uh, in the Tribune. So I'm sure you all read his articles. So it was fascinating to kind of hear these guys talk about the current state of beers, um, you know, some of the bigger boys that, that have been bought out over the years. Uh, just as this was, as this panel was happening, I think the day before there was the big announcement of the Kings and Convicts and Ballast Point thing. So that was kind of what kicked off the discussion. Um, the recording kind of started right as uh, Josh Deeth was introducing himself and the rest of the panel. So you'll kind of recognize all those voices as you go through. But, man, it's just just fascinating stuff to hear from these guys that have been around for so long and, and they know the industry. And we all know what uh, Revolution has built itself up now. And Josh Noel has made this name for himself, writing amazing articles and, and uh, writing this book that, that, that just – it's got to be a top 10 beer book of all time, uh, not just Chicagoland, but he just worked really hard and, and researched and, and gave you a really good insight into Goose Island and how they started. Uh, so yeah, barrel-aged stouts and selling out was kind of the, the base of this conversation, but the panel just went everywhere and there was an audience, uh, you know, there's, a, there's not, it's not perfect audio, but it, it, it sounds pretty good. So I think you guys will enjoy it. So here it is. This is going to be the panel discussion with Josh Deeth, Josh Noel, Bob Iggins, and Denver Worker. Josh Deeth, chairman of the party, Revolution Brewing. Uh, coffee Eugene at the moment. Got a little pep in the step. <laughs> Denver, I'm uh, one of the owners of this fine establishment. Uh, I am drinking Fistmas. Uh, my name is Bob Eggins. I'm a VP of sales for Windy City Distributing. Uh, we distribute a lot of craft beers to the market, and I'm drinking uh, Hazy Hero right now. All right. Someone's got a, uh, you got like an ABI lockdown on the taps here. It's like we're at O'Hare or something. <laughs> pay to play, baby. Pay That's to play. it. Uh, so, you know what? I mean, it would be... We sell a lot of beer at airports. Don't be dissing on airports as well. I know. No. That's, that's, that's look where I look work. who's inching that's toward my, big beer, everybody. Yeah, come on. Don't be shy. Uh, so, you know, we could start... 
it would sort of be folly to really start with anything other than to just simply say, holy shit, what happened yesterday? I just want to know what everyone thinks, and then we'll get into like some of the nuance and all that other stuff. What, what does everyone make of uh, Kings and Convicts, a brewery that made 660 barrels of beer last year in Highwood, Illinois, uh, buying Ballast Point from Constellation Brands? As everyone here probably knows, Constellation bought Ballast Point for a billion dollars uh, four years ago and, you know, sold them yesterday or agreed to sell them for uh, probably a tenth of that or so. We don't know the exact number. Um, it's, it's, it, what the hell? So everyone, I just want to hear what everyone makes of it. Well, I was, uh, I was telling Josh uh, earlier that I was in a meeting yesterday and when we got the news that the uh, transaction went through, one of the first reactions was one of the managers that works with me um, pointed out that there was a Twitter. Hey, I'm uh, just going to jump in right away and just say if everyone can keep their conversations down, I don't expect complete silence because this is a place where beer is being poured, but I think it's hard for people to hear what's being said up here. Thank you very Thank much. You. Um, and I was just saying one of the managers read a, a feed off of somebody's Twitter account that said, Wow, Kings and Convicts has 195 Twitter followers, and they just bought Ballast Point. And we thought it was kind of a joke. Um, and I mentioned to Josh earlier, um, we, we were approached as a distributor by Kings and Convicts about five years ago to carry their beers. What we do as a distributor is we try the beers with our sales force because we let the quality of the beers speak for themselves because our sales team is going to sell those beers. Um, our team tried those beers, and pretty much unanimously voted that we did not want to sell those beers. So even more eye-opening uh, eye is the transaction that happened yesterday. So um, The first thing I thought of is uh, I just started following these guys like three days ago. Um, yeah, we, I, I run our social media account and who we follow, and I just happened to see they're like suggested that I should know these guys, and I looked at them, I'm like, okay. Don't know much about them, and then I'm reading an article by Josh uh, yesterday. So uh, not much, not much there. I don't know. We don't carry any Bell's Point here, unfortunately. Yeah. What? Well, so do you? I was going to ask. Do you carry any Kings and Convicts? No, I've never tried anything. Heard. I obviously most of my customers have never even tried it themselves. So. And 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 I'm curious probably more relevantly, what's the state of your relationship with the Ballast Point brand at this point? I mean, you sort of answered it by saying you don't carry any, which is pretty amazing because you know, they were once one of the easily the 50 most iconic American craft breweries, and Sculpin is, was like, a yeah, probably a top 25 craft brand. Um, so with us, it's... Uh it has a lot to do with the distributors. Um, I think we there was a transition of distributors, and it changed from one distributor to another, and yeah, it went from one to another. And I think for us, it was like um, we returned more product than almost the same amount that we purchased. So not much sold in our shop. Uh, wow. You know, uh, in our shop, it's new, fresh. Everybody wants exciting, fun, ADD stuff. So. So you were carrying Ballast Point. No one was buying it, basically. So Pretty then much. you stopped. Wow, how the mighty have fallen. Josh, what do you what do you think? Uh, make I of had it? just walked into the Pilot Project Brewery on Milwaukee Avenue, down the street from the Brew Pub, and it's like they they let like people's dreams fly there. You want to open a brewery? Go in there and brew a batch of beer, and they'll put it on tap. 
or a couple of them, and I was like, had a minute or two to spare, and the news came through on the phone thing, and um, it just was like so surreal. Um, yeah. We'll talk some more about it, but that's, that's where I was when I found out about it. What do, so. you, what do you, Josh, what do you, because I mean, you, you have a lot of knowledge of, of the industry. Uh, you've been in it for a while. What does it mean, a brewery of, that makes 660 barrels of beer per yeah. year? But the Kings and Basically, Convicts is like not the story, right? Well, they, the they story recruited one, one new investor who has a ton of money from the wine industry. Right. Uh, which was just, I wrote on my way down here, honestly. I pulled over on the side of the road and wrote the update. Um, I mean, so the new investor just allowed the Kings and Convicts guys to, sure. to do it. But no one even knows who these guys are. So, like, the, the fact that they started a brewery, obviously, like, they wanted to get in somehow, I would think, into beer. And so they were like, let's start a brewery. And now it's like the plan switched to let's buy a brewery. And I think everyone should get ready, if you're not yet, for that, because when you have a zillion breweries like we have now, that's what you're going to see. That's, the, that's what AB has been doing, which is they can't make it themselves, real, organic, authentic craft beer, so let's go ahead and buy it. And, and like, as you showed, they, they've succeeded and not succeeded with doing that strategy. But for people with money, and these guys clearly have, have some, money, have money yeah. some kind of money, then it's, it's a new way in. You don't have to just build it from the ground up. You can buy a brand. You can buy tanks and brew houses and production. You can buy a brewery that self-distributes to cool bottle shops like this. You can buy all kinds of things. You can buy a distributor. You can start a distributor to sell all the brands that distributors don't want to sell. It's just another way into the business. What are they going to do with it? Yeah, we'll see. So it's, it feels to me like we're entering this kind of crazy new era right now. Like we, there was the era of the acquisitions from the goose sale in 2011, and really I, I do pin it to about, you know, 2017 with Wicked Weed, and then it just was sort of mellow for a year and a half or two years after that, and now it feels to me like we're entering this new era. That that Dogfish uh, Boston beer was part of that. You could argue New Belgium was part of it, and this, this is absolutely reflective. Yeah, let's talk about New Belgium. Right, well, do you, does it like, feel to you, to, they're, they're to de, you like we're entering first, a new era? I think this is the first official decorporatizing right. of a, a brand, and perhaps there actually is a whole lot of upside out of taking a brand away from a big corporate brewery and trying to make it authentic again. It's hard to make the leap to be authentic again, just like it's hard to make the leap from authentic, small, and independent into corporate. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, like, maybe these guys have, have a real plan to go, like, into San Diego. I figure this guy from Highwood, he must want to, like, move to San Diego. Right. And he bought himself a ticket and something to do in San Diego. He obviously had some hotels and he sold them. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met him. And um, great. He can go to San Diego. And I bet the people in San Diego, I, I, let's go ask them. Yeah. Right? That's, they're the constituents who really care about... Ballast Point, I bet they're happy that Ballast Point is no longer owned by Corona. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I would be. Though right? They also have the Chicago presence. What if, It'll Goose be Island, what if Goose Island got bought by a bunch of randos that we don't know today? We wouldn't be angry. We would at least No, be people like, would probably hmm, be running into the yeah, streets yeah, cheering. So, see what happens. so I'm curious, each of you and then we'll move on from Ballast Point. Do you see the Ballast Point brand as salvageable 
Uh, we'll start with Bob down at the end. I mean, can this work, what Josh just said, sort of the, the reverse engineering of the acquisition, the decorporatization? Can it work? Is the, can Ballast Point have resonance? I mean, you know, probably thinking about all 50 states is probably not the smart play, though I'd be curious what you think about that. But, you know, if they sort of find their niche, can that brand sort of thrive again under this new ownership? Uh, I think here... Specifically in our market, I think that they've kind of lost their luster. I think that the brand has continued to decline. I'm not sure that the new ownership is going to be able to do anything to probably revive that. I mean, I've read that they're going to keep this, the sales staff and the marketing staffs in place, which obviously makes a lot of sense considering they don't have any sales or marketing staff for Kings and Convicts. Um, but I think that uh, my, my personal opinion and my experience is, is that I think they're going to have a really tough time trying to reinvent that brand. There's so many other good options and, and good local options here for us um, from local breweries like Revolution and some of the other ones that are here that I think that that's going to make it really tough. Um, we've just seen a lot of breweries from Colorado that we represent struggle because I think the further and further you're away from the market, really creates an issue for resonance for a brand. And I think that really kind of spelled its, uh, you know, its course for Ballast Point a couple years ago here in this market. And there's no rebuilding it once it's sort of fallen? I just think it's tough. I mean, you lose when you lose support from either on-premise accounts and you lose support from some of the major chain accounts here, which Ballast Point really has, um, it's tough to get that traction back. I, yeah. just, I think it's going to be tough. And so you're, you're the traction. I mean, would you, if, some, if a salesperson walks in next Tuesday, uh, you know, hey, man, Ballast Point sold with Sculpin, awesome beer, would, would you be open to that? I mean, I, to me, I, we want to keep growing craft. Um, what we've found in our store and our small microcosm of this, of this industry is that it's, it's more uh, community-based now. Everything's driven by the community, and... Unfortunately, Bellas Point hasn't found its place in this community, um, and the places that it has found its com in, in this community, um, it's not being represented by a sales team. A, you know, um, I, we find that like, uh, so like take you said Colorado. Like we have Epic Brewing in, in our shop. Epic comes in. We have we had a great sales rep. He's he's present. He's he's doing events. He is he is putting himself out there. He's introducing his product to my customers, and it allows us. It makes it an easier transition for us to be able to sell that, you know, to to our customers because of that. So, uh, Epic like Epic Brewery out of Colorado. So you know we do we we move a, a pretty good amount of you know that stuff. It's all what I've what I've noticed in our shop. It's all about the sales rep uh, that, that for that brewery. It's how much they want to invest in us, how much we want to, you know, our, if they're here with our customers, they're going to sell more product because they have, they're going to be in front of the person. They're going to have an opportunity to sell it. So obviously we're a very small microcosm of this industry. And it's, it, but if Bell's Point walks in and they're going to tell me, hey, you know, I, I'm going to be here for an event and this is what I got and I've got this, this you know, these items for you. I, I would entertain the idea, but right now they're not a part of our, our, our market because of them, themselves, you know. I'd, I'd like to point out that our sales rep is one of the people talking to customers in the back that we can hear, so to good into the every of that, you know. Yeah, you got to do it. Uh, you know, it's like, 
So they bought it for like a dime on the dollar of what Constellation paid. All they got to do is sell like 40,000 barrels of beer, probably not the 400,000 that it used to sell. The expectations are changed. Constellation is a publicly traded company. They're huge in cannabis. They are actually a savvy, a very savvy publicly traded company. When they decide they want to shift what it is that they do, they friggin' shift. And they're shifting right now and they're shedding a bunch of cheap wine to Gallo and they're shedding Ballast Point. They're gonna shed uh, Funky Buddha and all the other craft next. They're gonna have zero craft in no time. They'll find a buyer for Funky Buddha, no problem. And, um, and they're gonna focus on THC infused beverages and all the other things that they think will make them and their shareholders money. And so they, got, they, they just took an $800 million loss on their books, or, assuming it sells you know, they made a little bit of money while they held it. That's what's crazy to me. Like, that's the story. And, uh, and, it's, and they're a big enough company that they can do that. That's crazy. That's like Anheuser-Busch. They could take an $800 million loss. Not many people. I don't think, like, Miller Coors probably couldn't do that today. They're, they're having a tough time. They can't take an $800 million loss. Pabst, like the next biggest beer company, they can't do that. But... There's so, some kind of weird tax scheme going on in the background that we don't know yet. So, so let's move on. Besides so, that, well, it's just so weird. I just it's wonder. Like does a, it, it's so it's super obtuse. weird. So does it does it portend bad things for the craft industry, or is this experience we're having right now safe from what's happening right now? I think it's safe, man. I do as well. I mean, I think again. I think it's about these types of experiences. I think it's more local, as I mentioned earlier, and I think that's really what resonates because I think there's so many good local breweries that are producing a variety of different beers that customers like that are here tonight come in because they think, okay, there's something new that I can try and something exciting. Maybe it's from a, a similar brewery, but uh, the quality's there, and I think that's really what speaks for itself in the craft business. Um, the quality of the beer, I think, is really what speaks does it, I wonder, Josh, does it, so you guys made, what, about 70,000 barrels of beer right now? 80 or so, yeah, closer to 80. So is it... And we're going to be down this year, everybody. Newsflash, revolution, <laughs> first year, not growing our overall barrels. I'll give you, like, the head start on it. Not a buy a lot. Got quiet there for a minute. Um, you know, <laughs> like, just, like, down low, single digits. Like, we do said, people are excited to be flat. Like, we're in that camp right now, and... Uh, we are trying hard to innovate and do new things, but you know the world is changing. The farther away we go, we're in a bunch of East Coast markets and they're down like 30, 40%. It's like we're having conversations with our beer distributors out there, like should we be selling beer in certain places, you know? So our Deep Woods beer is like out in the East Coast, it's like they're not what they are out here. People don't hunger for them the way some brewery out there is putting beer in a bourbon barrel. And people are more excited about that because it's kind of local. You know? So is that is that cause for concern? No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> we are the number one independent craft brewer, and I believe the Kings and Convicts are going to move the headquarters to San Diego, which I'm very excited about. And uh, you know, it's like we're we're well established. Uh, you know, the mature, like half acre, who you guys sell. You know, they're well established. You know, they're not under threat. And, um, like, let's talk about White Claw, which I see a White Claw over here on the shelf. They're here. They're here. 
know, and it's, it's, there you go. It's not necessarily pulling a lot from craft beer, but it's a thing, right? Sure. Um, seltzer just bought Dogfish Head, right? Seltzer money. Sam oh, Adams yeah. money today is not good old Boston beer, head so thick you float a bottle cap on it money. It's truly, truly money. seltzer yeah. money. It's uh, Twisted Tea. We've got a Twisted Tweet crowd here. We're in the South, south Suburbs, baby. Twisted Tea, woo! And uh, like NASCAR, we're not far from that. It's a NASCAR beverage, you know. Um, but it's like, uh, at some point, like Sam Calgioni just sold out, and he's about as real and authentic of a craft brewer person. He's on the board of the BA. Kim Jordan, she's on the board of the BA. She just sold out to Kieran. Want to talk about that? An employee-owned, the employee-owned beer company. When Full Sail was employee-owned and they sold out, Nobody really cried a whole lot, but I think some people might have cried in their beer around New Belgium. And uh, that's like, to me, that one is tumultuous as much as ballast. Less dollars, but maybe very tumultuous. So my, my theory, and which is explained in the book somewhat, is that uh, sort of the, to get back to the original uh, <clears throat> point of this whole conversation, the corporatization of craft beer, is that that wound up putting somewhat of a ceiling on what a brewery like yours could do in terms of growth. Um, you know, Anheuser-Busch, more than anyone, but not, not just them, is sort of clogging, clogging a lot of channels, and that prevents breweries from growing sort of in the way that they could have 15 years ago. I, I want to hear from all three of you. Um, well, especially the, the two guys here, and then... Denver, I want to hear sort of like the challenges of selling a s established brand like Revolution. But is that reasonable that, that the, the sort of the corporatization of craft beer has clogged it up a little bit and made growth difficult? Yeah, I mean, I think that what we're seeing is a lot of our larger breweries, and we represent people like Lagunitas, Half Acre, Three Floyds, Two Brothers, Allagash. We're seeing a lot of them kind of pulling away from a lot of the growth over the last couple of years has been line extensions or other beers that they've created or come up with. And what we're already seeing plans for next year is that a lot of these breweries really plan to focus on their core beers and really try to go back and try to drive. So that's a change, moving from innovation back to core. Yes. So it's like in yes. 2020, it's Allagash White and it's uh, Zombie Dust. Rather it's than Lagunitas IPA, it's Two Brothers Domain DuPage. Really? It's, what accounts for that, do you think? Yeah. I, I think part of it is that they've recognized that um, those are their lead horses. The, those consumers know those beers, trust those beers. And when you go back, and I think that there's a lot of experimentation in the craft business. And I think ultimately people kind of tend to go back to brands that they know, they trust, and they feel are quality driven. And I think that's specifically with Lagunitas. I think they think IPAs, their iconic brand, their iconic skew, they want to focus on that and try to drive that as much as they can. And Josh, uh, does it feel like you've sort of, I don't want to say hit the ceiling because I'm sure there's more growth ahead, but I mean, how, how, much, how, how difficult is growth going to be going forward and, and how do you guys do it? But it's also about like how important is growth. Growth is not the metric that we evaluate success on. It, it was. It was a big part of who we are, so we identified with it. 
and we rolled with it. People wanted our beer right after Goose Island sold out. People came to us. We're like, well, you're now my new favorite local craft brewery. We're like, okay, we better buy some more tanks. Let's go do that. We did, and we brewed more beer. We, we decided to meet the demand, which was like rare. I think Chicagoland should have like three revolutions and it doesn't. You know, you go to other big cities like in Colorado and there's like breweries like revolution size that fight for the heart and soul of Denver and Colorado that are our size. Let's pick that apart real yeah. quick. So you guys heard about, what'd you say, 80,000 barrels? 80, half acres, like half. Brickstone is a lot no, less, less than that. But like Floyd's, who's like, I consider Floyd's local enough. I don't care oh, yeah, about yeah, that yeah. debate. And they, they just put on a ton of capacity. They're out in cans. You know, they have decisions to be made right now. Are they going to go to more states? Are they going to pound a bunch of volume into Chicago? Are they going to call Jewel up finally and be like, okay, Jewel, sorry for not sending you any beer for 20 years. Like, can you please put stacks of zombie dust up by the, like, the meat aisle and by the, the chips, you know, where people like to buy beer? And um, they're not going to quite do that, but they're doing little bits of that. They got the war pigs thing. They're doing, you know, so they're going after some volume, which is cool, after years of restraint. And beyond that, you got your Lagunitas, you know, that Bob sells, right? Yeah. And um, like they're a changed Bodell brewery as well, but they're, you know, they're hanging tight and doing their thing. You got what's left of Goose Island today and all that and, what, and how they go to market, which is very Ooh. different than how they used to go to market. That, hard, that, that's going to be our next subject, by the way. It's hard for like a new brewer today to open up or to open up a couple years ago and to achieve scale like we have. To call a distributor and say, I want to be your number one or two craft brand to call, you know, not that, you know, like I brought up Jewel, but it's like the antithesis of crafted, right? It's not hand curated. They can't tell you stories in the aisle about it. You know, but it's like where, I don't know what percent of beer is sold in Chicagoland, but yeah. Binnie's, Jewel, Mariano's, they sell 40% of the beer that people drink in our world. So So that said, that this is a different experience than Jewel, where I, I tried to, I went to a holiday party last year and wanted to buy, oh, it just got more quiet. Uh, <laughs> curse you, refrigerator. I like cold beer, though. Cold beer is good. Uh... I walked into a Jewel because I wanted, and I wanted to buy a 12-pack to bring to this party. And the only non-big beer 12-pack I could find was uh, Great Lakes, and that was you're damn right. That's the we one I bought. Side. We didn't have 12-packs there. Not at not at this store. Or is it my uh, my distributor is in the house, so it's gonna be an issue. It was well. First of all, this was a year ago. Second of all, it was the Jewel uh, in um, in Andersonville. You know where like Clark is on one side and uh, and Ashland is on the other. Yeah, yeah, that. Anyway, the Great Lakes beer was really good, but that was it was hard to find the 12 pack that I wanted. Anyway, that said, Denver, I'm curious here. How difficult is it? I mean, well, let's just call a spade a spade. How difficult is it to for someone to? How often does someone walk out with a six-pack of Antihero versus, like, what's the latest haze bomb from Hot Butcher? And I love those guys. But, uh, but you know, I mean, like, what, where's that sort of the balance in that, that, that equation right there? Uh, I think, like, shops like ours, that's been the difficult task of trying to figure out um, us learning how to sell it. So we, we've been creative. We found other ways to um, get it to the, our customers. We, we, um, so... 
Um, it's all about, in order to get that deep wood stuff, it's all about getting quantity and selling, you know, selling through some of the other stuff, you know, the core, the core items. So what we do is we try to use our tap lines as that, as, 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 as to be able to drive that. And um, so we actually do a lot of events um, that are like fundraisers for a lot of charities. And actually we use Revolution as our, you know, our main brand behind it. So we use their pills, their easy drinking beers for the kick the keg events. And that helps us move some volume. Now, people do not walk out of our shop with Annie Arrow and um, Brian will tell you we banged our heads together and try to figure out ways to get that in them. Um, we, we, one thing that's unique about our shop is that you can build your own six pack out of everything in the store. So we brought in the Harrow uh, boxes and we broke them open so that there's some things in those Harrow boxes that you can't get unless you buy the 12 pack. Well, we're, we're selling them as individual items. So we, we, we've done things like that, but it, it's not gonna ever move in volume in here. We're not a volume play um, when it comes to the legacy uh, brewers of Illinois. You know, that's not, that's not what we're ever gonna do here. So I'm also curious, Denver, the, the experience, and maybe there's like not a lot of there there, but what is, is there a different experience between, and again, I just want an honest conversation. I'm not, I still have a lot of respect for Goose Island and anheuser Boy. Okay, I don't, but um, <laughs> no, but I mean, but seriously, it, is there, a, how different is the experience of trying to sell Bourbon County versus the experience of selling Deepwood? Are those fundamentally different or not really in terms of dealing with the breweries and then, you know, selling them to the customers? I mean, Deepwood, the Deepwood series, they got people drinking barley wines again. Like, how freaking great is that? They got people drinking barley wines again. Like, that is absolutely incredible. People are it just It is the raving. hardest style of beer to sell. I just love it. And we I, sell more like barley wine style. now than anybody. Yes. Stouts, even for us, still outsell barley wine. And we have award-winning barley wine, and it's highly yeah. regarded. And yeah, so. but we, we actually did a barley wine share here last uh, week, and I, VSOR, just, just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, in terms of, like, let's put Goose Island and Lagunitas in, in a certain camp because of their ownership, I guess, and Revolution and Half Acre in another camp, for now at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is there a difference in sort of how, you know, sort of processing those brands through the store? I'm, so for us... It's more event-driven. We want, in order to move that volume, we've got to have events behind it. And uh, so we're looking for that, obviously, specialty draft item um, that's going to draw in a crowd, and we're going to be able to move some items for, for, that, for that brewery. Um, I think what the one thing that we don't want to always be that, but it, it, it's, it's, it's what we are. I mean, we're, we're the small microcosm. We're the, we want to be the extension of that brewery. We want to have an opportunity to like, tell people about that brewery. We want to drive people to that brewery. So like, get them there and like, let's, let's, let's it, make craft beer in Illinois. Like, let's get them to all these places and experience you know, their tap rooms and their brew houses. And, and, and that, that, that's, that's what this place is more about. Did, did you say you have to drive a certain amount of volume to sell the Deepwoods beers? Did I hear that right? I mean, yeah. I mean, we don't of, require that. No, it's not a requirement. But no, but it's, 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 like it's, it's, it's the Deep Woods beers yeah. are it's, allocated. Right. It's an allocated. Not everybody item. gets them, right? right? And so it's like for us, like not many people are getting six do, of them. On who path. do we give them to? You know, yeah. or who does our distributor give them to? And and yeah. you try, and at some point, it's like it's not just volume; it's about care. Like they don't sell any hero here, but when we have a specialty beer, like we just released double dry hop mosaic, here. which crushed in here. Do you have any of that in here? It's gone. It's gone. 
And that's Trust what we it. want, is we wanted to bring it in for them to talk about it with their customers to be gone. That checked the box. It's like, yeah, let's get them some Deepwoods beer. So it's like, yeah. Jewel sells tons of volume. We have never sold Deepwoods beer at Jewel because we don't need to or want to. That's not the right way to sell that beer. But the League of Heroes, right. that's the place to sell a 12-pack uh, IPA variety pack. It's a mixed pack. It's for people to try something new. Like, we're into getting people to try craft beer still. This is what Goose Island did. We stand on their shoulders in a lot of ways. They got, my favorite thing is, and this relates to corporations, I'll make the weave in like two minutes, give me a minute. It's like Goose Island got people to try beer. They did education. You know, they went out there and talked to people about why you should drink good beer. They did the hard work, the dirty work. We didn't have to do that. We followed them. Like I said, we came after they sold out. We didn't, we didn't know they were gonna sell out. We benefited, I think, from that to grow. But like they talked about, you know, IPA. It's like, you know what they did? It's like they had the ships going from like England and like Holland to like India to get the silks and shit and the spices. <laughs> and they had to like get the guys drunk and put them on the ships to sail the ships to bring the spices. And they had to make a special beer, you know, it's called IPA India Pale Ale. You know, they had to tell the story of the ships. We don't tell the story of the ships anymore. We just like make great, we tell the story of the hops. Uh, have you heard about Mosaic Hops? Like, yeah, come on with us. We'll show you what Mosaic Hops are like. And by the way, the Dutch East India Corporation is the first ever corporation of the world, right? It was so risky for them to send ships. Half the ships like wouldn't come back, right? And, but they're, but the, the king, they, uh, maybe they still have a king there. I think they do. Um, do we have a king? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll set that aside. I listened to some of the debate today. They were talking about the, the scholars about like why they put impeachment into the Constitution. It was like so that because in England you couldn't impeach the king. We thought it was important here that if you needed to, you'd do that. Anyway, so the Dutch East India Company, the first corporation, they needed liability protection. They, they were like, you want us to send these ships? We'll send the ships and bring back your silks and spices, but we need protection for when it doesn't work out. And then they created the corporation concept. That was the first ever corporation. The corporation is like, it can act as if it's a human, as if it's a person. The law treats it like it's a person. That's the root of a lot of these ethical questions that you're asking in your book. And um, our name is Revolution. And we try to like, at least make you t think about it and talk about it. I like to say I was a socialist before it was cool. Yeah, and uh, so, like, I think when people put their lips up to a glass and there's like a minor ethical debate that occurs in their head, today, tomorrow, forever, that's awesome. That's like, that's the whole idea. And, uh, it, and you'll never win. Being the underdog, I love, like, playing from the underdog position. I, I don't want, yeah, all the volume and sales would be great, but, you know. Are you still the underdog as the, the largest independently owned brewery? And it's all relative, man. It's like, to, to Bal are we done talking about Ballast Point and Budweiser? Or can we, we talk, who are we talking about here? Are we talking about Hot Butcher and Noon Whistle and... Alarmist. Yeah, I mean, in, in that Heard context, that it's... By the way, we make a, a great hazy IPA in the city that's known for the great hazy IPAs. So. We have the best-selling hazy IPA in the city that's... 
Yeah. Alarmists, yeah. They're don't, great guys, don't, but don't you like, ship all that stuff to the to get to get like isn't doesn't it all come to you to be shipped out? Isn't that that's what I've heard, right? Well Denver, you had an interesting and then we're gonna wrap this up and I wanna hear some 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 cues from you guys so that we can give you some A's. But uh, we talked a little bit about your experience with selling Bourbon County Stout this year. Would you share that? I'd be interested to hear that. And I, and I, okay. I some so, people already know the story, but yes. it was new to me. Yes. So in uh, and and I'm curious from the, the the other two guys, you know, just objectively speaking, what you make of it. What does it mean? You know. So go ahead, Denver. So actually, it's kind of Bob. Bob knows a little bit about this. We actually met with Bob before we even opened, and we told him about our featured sections that we were going to have. Uh, if you see the Unine Hubbard's Cave, we used to have like single shelves, standalone, and it was a way for us to, we paid for the advertising, yes. Us dummies paid for the advertising when, you know, we distributors and stuff would love to do that for us. But we paid for it because we wanted to invest in those breweries. So what we did is we sat down in September of last year, 2018, and I had the, the, the sales rep for Goose Island, my distributor uh, sales rep, and we sat down and we talked about how we were going to grow Goose Island and build, help build their brand and our store and find ways to um, get us those allocations for our customers. And Let um, me just stop you there. Did you have any uh, issues at that point about kind of like, well, this is the AB local brand. Like, should we be doing this? Or did, where, how did that factor into that thought process? So, so that's actually a funny question because so we have uh, 150 members that are paid members of ours, um, and they're incredible. I put it to them. Fantastic. fantastic. Those are the members here representing. They, they, I put it on them. I said, listen, guys, um, I, I don't know. I want to. I want to. We, we got to find ways of growing these brands. Do you guys want this Bourbon County? And if so, we're willing to go to great lengths to get it for you. So our, we're willing to, we literally sold, we're willing to sell you guys cases at almost cost, you know, and we're willing to move just to get that volume play. And that gets us the more Bourbon County. And I, I have an idea of where we need to be. And I, I, will, I will get us there. And so when we sat down in September, we told them we were going to feature them. We featured them. It was a quarter. It was an entire quarter. It was for October through December. Well, we featured them, we ordered a ton of cases, we, we put them on draft lines. We were, we were actually hedging our bet between the two. We, we used the Revolution and them, and we were like, you know, try, try to grow these two brands together at the same time. And what we ended up doing is, um, we ended up having a, uh, like a special event at offsite and we had to choose between the two and we're like okay let's use goose island for this and we ordered like 60 cases of beer and we that that uh you know was a that's a huge and again the goal just being to get a healthy bourbon county allocation right so bourbon county still retains to get the bourbon county for and bourbon county retains that much cachet and it, with our, I mean, the, the variants, not, not the everyday run-the-mill Bourbon County. It's, you know, that, that's everywhere. Um, but um, we wanted, you know, the, we want to have it on our tap lines for our customers. We wanted to have it for them to be able to carry out and, and have an event around. So fast forward to this year, we sit down, we get our, I got our allocations through an email, and I'm like, this just doesn't look right. So I sent an email out to our, our sales rep and, and uh, for Goose Island and our, our local rep, and I asked for a meeting. And Dan and I both sat down with them, and, and the conversation was, what happened? You know, wh- what's going on? And uh, 
they slide the numbers and we're like, no, these aren't the numbers. These are the numbers. We slid our numbers across the way. And uh, they're like, oh, no, well, we don't count November and December of last year. What do you mean you don't count November and December? Um, like, we, we sat down. We, we featured you. We, we invested you during this period. You're, we, we purchased. That's where most of our growth is. And it's all about percentage growth and how you get your Bourbon County allotments with them. So we went from probably like a 45, 46% growth to a 2% growth because they eliminated that, those two months. Because of those two months? Yep. So I guess the broader question is, is what do you make of that approach? Do you think it's, and I don't know the answer, is it rooted in sort of in the AB ownership? Is there a difference between like the allocation that Revolution does? Does it feel different to you? Is it something you want to be a part of? I don't know where it's coming from. I think there's a disconnect from however, so here's my thought process behind it. I think obviously we have a competing bottle shop, uh, you know, five miles away. Um, we share the same sales reps. So if a company is going to invest, they're going to, you know, they invest in them. They're there every day. They, you know, they might stop in and hang out with them, whatever, whatever it may be. But they're the ones that are going to be featured in this area. And, and there's only so much that could go around. And because each sales rep is getting so much and there's only so much they can distribute around. So, you know, I felt like it was more driven because he's well established over there in that other one. And we're just, we're getting started and we didn't do it. We didn't, we, we don't, we're never going to do enough. I'm not going to give you tap handles. I'm not going to do those type of things because we want to, we want to feature everything that Illinois is bringing to us. And we want to give you everybody an opportunity to try as many different breweries. I mean, like you said, what, what, what do we have? Like 600, 700, 800 breweries in Illinois now? Like that's crazy. I mean, we need to, you know, like we, there's, we can't, we don't have that much self space, you know? So we got to weed out what we can weed out. So. So what are you weeding out? What does that mean for the future then? It's all about relationships. It's about who we, who's willing to commit to us. We're willing to commit to them. I do I mean, think it's interesting. It. I didn't even realize you don't carry anti-hero here, right? Is that, did I hear that right? Correct. We're actually, we've been talking about maybe getting the 19 ounce uh, cans in here. And um, one of the things I think that might help us, uh, Dan and I have a couple, we're going to be doing some re reconstruction of the building already. We want to change up some, we want to add some bar space. We're actually going to get rid of this wall and we're talking about adding some additional coolers. I think that will help a lot too. Um, having that carry out quick grab item, I think that will help move items like that. Coming first. soon, Hazy Hero, 19.2 ounce. Nice. The cans will be showing up in two weeks. I got the email today, fuck yeah. Here we go. Look at Sierra Nevada. I think one of the great innovations and things that's going on in the world. Uh, we talked about can a brewery reinvent themselves. I mentioned Pabst earlier because Pabst has, you know, they're, they're on the decline kind of now, but man, they were, they went down and they came back up. And it's never been, like we talked about Ballast Point, no one, not many people have ever gone really down low and come back, and Pabst has. Sierra Nevada didn't really go down low, but they reinvented themselves. They found a new beer, a new process. They pioneered uh, the hazy, the, they pioneered the consistent haze, the haze brand that you know about. That's what we're doing with Hazy Hero. It, you know, it's a centrifuge haze. It uses the, the process of New England style, which is, we don't need to get into it, but it's delivering it to people where they like show up at a, a bar and they're like, oh yeah, I, I like that one. I'll have the Hazy Hero. And they, you know, it's not about trying the newest thing, which we talked about. That's a lot about what shops like this are. People want to have what's new, what's, what do you got, what's fresh this week. Yeah, I think we oh. need to find ways of, eat, like Dan and I battle because we are, we love, I mean, like I was talking to Joe earlier. I, I, one of the things that 
I'm, every time I have an Annie here, I'm like, damn, why the hell aren't people drinking this? Because I love it. It's just such a great beer. So we, 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 we're core beer lovers, so we want everybody to try this again and, and, and remember what it's like. So we have a hard time of, obviously, we're trying to make money out of this operation. So we're trying to find what works for us. But in the same manner, we want to keep things alive in our shop. So we will do everything we can to do that. So let's, we'll wrap up with a last question for each of you. Uh, where, hey, everybody. Shh, we're almost done. Almost done. Almost done. Uh, and then we're going to do a Q&A. Um, uh, what, what's next? Where, where are we going to be in five years? What's, what, what's ahead? Well, I think that um, I think all of us in the craft beer industry are kind of curious on what the sales trends might be on seltzer. I mean, I read some <laughs> stuff today. If you had uh, yeah. eight fourteen in your seltzer pool, do you, yeah. drink. Do you carry the Salamote seltzer? He sells the Salamote yeah. seltzer, so he'd, yeah. he'd like you to carry that. We're not um, making a fucking seltzer. Yeah, okay? I mean, thank I you, think thank you, <laughs> thank you. Yes. <laughs> I, th I think the biggest thing, though, is what I read today was they're saying that out of that growth in the seltzer category, about twenty-five to twenty-seven percent those customers are coming out of the craft beer industry. So that really means that the craft beer industry still is strong, that there's still a, um, a, a good franchise of those people that want to try those beers. So I think ultimately what's going to happen, you're going to see a lot more consolidation over the next five years. We represent a brewery called Anderson Valley. I got a text about an hour before I walked in here tonight that Anderson Valley sold to uh, uh, an investor in Northern California. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see some sort of consolidation. We represent uh, portfolios like... They'd Canarchy. already been sold, right? So this is sold and sold. Yes, yeah. sold, sold, two yeah. times in the last 10 years. Um, but, I mean, we're seeing a lot of consolidation within some of our brands. We represent Canarchy, which is, you know, a consortium of breweries that is Cigar City and Oscar Blues and Wasatch. How's, how's that working out, by the way? That They're sort of like the middle tier. They're certainly not ABI. But they're also not Rev, you know. They're, yep. they're a different kind. They're sort of the, the, the hybrid, still some craft cred, but also backed by private equity money and ambitious and large. How, how are those brands doing at this they're, point? They're doing fine for us. I mean, I think we're seeing, again, that investment with some of these brands. <laughs> with some of these brands that can come in and, uh, or, or the, the, capital, the capital company that can um, help them invest. Because there are. There's... Josh knows there's thin margins when you own a brewery and, and it's tough to make money. So I think if you don't have that big scale, I think you're going to see a lot more consolidation over the next five years of breweries combining with each other. Like Josh said earlier, I think you're going to see kind of the, the corporations that are going to get out of some of this business. And that, that will probably be good for the industry overall. So I'm, I'm positive about the next five years. It's going to shake out a lot, but I think there's going to be some, there's still some growth to be so had. So the shakeout is just starting, and you think we'll, in five years, will there be fewer breweries than there are now? Or more? I, I mean, I, um, you mentioned earlier there's 8,000 breweries. The last BA uh, notice that I saw said that besides the 8,000 breweries that are open, there's three to 4,000 other breweries that have permits right. around the country. So, I mean, there's permitted breweries that may or may not open over the next few years. So that might be, uh, I, I think, you know, potentially we're going to see, I think, probably a, a, a scale down of some of the number of breweries. 
and I think it's ultimately going to be those that have some capitalization behind them, or they're going to have to find a partner to, to partner up with. Yeah, Denver, where do you see it going? And you got, you know, you've got obviously a, a horse in the race here. And how yeah. many breweries do you carry? Do you know? I don't know. You know, hundred. Yeah, somewhere. like four hundred different, st- yeah, different beers, but a hundred. Um, so let me give you two things. So one, this is what I like to see. I would like to see. Um, less, less, less seltzer, but um, yes, totally. Um, I would like to see uh, some of these breweries. After this is over, there's a cooler back there full of seltzer. No, no, I want help me carry no. it out. We're gonna toss yeah, that shit in the parking lot. Right yes, 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 yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Less, less and less city water. Um, so I, no, I'm just I, so. I would like to see, I think quality is going to go up. That's that ultimately, I think quality is going to go up because it, the competition level is, is very high right now. Um, we've seen in Chicago, even in the small two-year window that we've been in existence. <laughs> so in the small two-year two window. Fresh, still in full. Does it yeah, matter? Good. Yeah, it's, fresh. it's fresh. All right. There's a, does it matter with salsa water? <laughs> I'm gonna let you go with that. It tastes like, uh, smells like, like Fred Flintstone vitamins. <laughs> that, I mean, that's you don't yeah, drink so you don't drink seltzer for the aroma. Anyway, right. sorry, we got derailed. No, you're good. Um, so I, what I, I think the quality will go up. I think that's one of the biggest things. Even in the two years that we've been around, one of the one of the things that I've seen is that breweries are constantly like, so we have Hot Butcher, but now we have St. Iran. Now we have Riverlands. Now we have Little Beaver. Now we have, I mean, there's so many brewers putting out high quality items that Hot Butcher used to f- be gone in a, in a uh, 24 hour window. It's now sitting for a week. And oh my God, it's he'll still here in yeah. one week later. You know, and, <laughs> and it's, it, you know, there is just high quality coming out of Chicago. I, is, we, well, to I be think, like Mr. Cynical Asshole Guy. Because that's my job. Is it high quality or is it hype and buzz? No, there's some high quality. It's not all high quality. No, no, no. no. Well, not, not, no, but I'm, I'm saying, saying out of but those it's high quality. Right? I'm, I'm not, not sure saying it's all hype and buzz sells. either, but but the fans know quality when they taste it. Right. They still sometimes buy something that's not quality. I think cream rises to the top. Very you much will so. be selling the high quality beers of the future, no doubt. Right. I think that, and what I would love, love. To see in the industry over the next five years is people to start going back some of the traditional styles these these two guys over here and some of my customers uh, would love to see pilsners come back and loggers and you know I, I think that's where the market might end up eventually you know it's kind of ended up where places are are we're forced to find the little niches and what's what's the next trend in this in this shop and unfortunately that's that's our that's what we have to do but i think as a mass as a chicagoland area i think you'll see a lot of uh the traditional styles start coming back because people are getting tired of chasing and and finding that next tick uh I, hopefully on tap goes away because it's the dumbest thing ever um you know i just not a fan of it i don't think it's a microcosm of what this industry is you have I mean, how many people? How many people buy Revolution, and how many people are really checking it in? You know, that—that's the difference. You know, so. Um, I do hope the chasing goes away, uh, yeah, and I probably much. played some role in it oh, being a thing in Chicago. That's where I was. 
excuse me. But, uh, <laughs> but the truth is, is even if you don't chase... Any beer, you can walk into any beer store and say, you know what, I want a barrel-aged stout, and any beer store will be able to point you toward a really good barrel-aged stout that you don't have to stand in line for. And if we can get rid of the, the FOMO and the chasing and all that stuff, I think it would be the healthiest thing for the industry and for the consumer as well, personally. Josh, where do you see this thing going in five years? And what, what's ahead for Revolution? Give us some honest talk. I'd rather talk. answer that than talk about what's going to happen in five years industry-wide. It's, More I mean, Mosaic it's, Carol. Please. It's some of the hardest time to predict, yeah. We are making, uh, we're trying to be small. That's one of those, we have about four or five, like, overriding strategies, like, get hazy, like, you know, continue the... 16-ounce cans? The barrel-aged beer things. 16-ounce cans isn't really, a like... The, it's is weird the, in here. The double dry hop for yeah, the premium... Double dry hop mosaic, the high end stuff, 16 ounce cans make sense. We are looking at the follow up, what you said, what you talked about is like, we're not making seltzer, but we're looking towards lower calorie, better for you, lighter things that still feel authentic to us. We, we always have been a pioneer in making sessionable beers, beers that people just, that was good, I'll have another one of those, right? That was always our thing, like Sun Crusher. Right or like even like Rosa, which is a specialized beer. It's a it's a weird, different beer. It was one of the first pink beers that was out there. We were doing pink beers before anybody was doing pink beers, and um, so we're thinking about how can we reinvent ourselves. To we do watch trends, you know, and we I'm not saying we like we're not we we love to innovate things ourselves, but we do follow a little bit. We try to be the brewer for Chicago land and for Illinois. And try to, like, you should try going downstate and selling beer and stay, drink fucking Bush Light. That's all they drink down there is Bush Light. Uh, and, did, you, uh, did you know Brickstone's, like, one of the best selling? They, they sold the most PBR in, that, in, in, in their own so, brewery. So that's pretty interesting. I am also officially against more breweries opening, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> because I, I felt very welcomed when I opened a brewery, right? And now I'm kind of saying other people are not welcome, right? But it's just like, okay, so you're at like a, uh, a rock show, you're at a festival, all right? And there's 10,000 people there. And maybe you've had some weird drugs or something, but like you, your friends aren't around and you're, and you're wandering and all you see is these thousands of faces of people. It's like all these breweries that you don't know anything about. And what do you do next? The minute you see someone that you're kind of familiar with, you like wanna go towards them and talk to them and say, how's it going? It, you know, it's like, what are the consumers going to do? There's already 8,000 breweries when there's 10, 12,000. It's like, what's next? The, it's obviously, we're in a situation, we went from no choice. Uh, tomorrow is Prohibition Repeal Day. Like, 100 years ago, what we were all doing here was illegal. <laughs> in three weeks or something like that, like, you're going to stuff your bong with something you bought at the store, you know, <laughs> legally. You know, and you're going to pay 50% tax. Congratulations. You know, but it's, it's so weird. And things change. Like, you couldn't even write a book about It's changing so fast. By the time you wrote a book now, it would be out of date. You know, that's why your industry is like, that's why no one's buying paper news. They get it on the phone and stuff, right? It's just things, sometimes, like, it changes so fast, you don't even realize it. We're at this point of craft beer. We should just, like, 
check ourselves for a minute and appreciate how awesome it is to be involved in craft beer that it is today. Look around at all this selection. It's like wine was like this. It had a moment. Uh, liquor, whiskey is starting to have a moment like this. There were like 30 breweries in the whole country like 30, 40 years ago. 100 years ago it was illegal. Today we have 8,000. You know? And it's like, that's awesome. And it's, it's, it's awesome in its sense, but it's like the pathway to success in the future. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be opening a brewery tomorrow myself, right? I would take my money and I would put it into kombucha or something else. <laughs> Seltzer water. Kombucha is the future. If you're not drinking kombucha now, you need to be. Everyone is going to die of some disease except for the people who drink kombucha. And in fact, you know what? On that front, yeah. I am working on a kombucha story, by the way. So... <laughs> Okay, well, that I would call that like at the end. I think I would say we actually got up to the level of rollicking. So thank you for listening to our rollicking craft beer discussion. Uh, first of all, let's give it up for the panel. Thank you, panel. Let's let's give it up to the to these guys. Josh put this together. Josh and Josh and Bob. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank them for coming out. We, we love them. So we're, you can come ask us. Just, you know, chat with us directly, or if there's any questions right now, we'd love to hear them as well. Oh, you can just shout them out, and we'll repeat them. He wants a keg of VSOJ, okay, original. That's a good question. How many offers have you gotten from real investors? Offer. First off, they, like, they don't come with, like, money in hand okay they don't come with like a number this is how they come and they say like hey how's it going like can i be your friend you know it, like you told the story of uh felipe spiegel going to the wicked weed booth at gabf that sounds kind of a little bit familiar relationship building that you said sells craft beer that's it, that that works that that's what happens and so like but once you tell most of the people to stop calling, they stop coming around. So, like, like that's a weird, like, um, like a lot. But it's like, you know, a lot of times they send they send the intermediaries. You know, it's like, like Miller doesn't call. They send someone to say, hey, you know, have you thought about, you know, right? And uh, like, that's a weird thing, by the way. Miller beats Bud in our world. We live in the small fraction of the world where Miller beats Bud, right? Soon Constellation beats Miller and Bud, okay? It's about to happen. It's um, in Chicago, Modelo, uh, White Claw beat Modelo this summer for a short period of time. It, like, it's happening that fast. But um, in the rest of the world, like downstate where Bush Light wins, and Miller just doesn't, never bought a brewery in Chicago, right? They wanted to certainly yeah. and try, but it's like, they're now a different kind of a company. They're changing and all that. But, you know, it's lots of people call. They call all the time. It's easy to call, right? Anyone can ask. Uh, we're buying Bud. We're buying InBev tomorrow. <laughs> well, to follow up on that, what would it take for something like that to happen on your, in your world? excuse to not answer the question yeah you know it's like uh, I have a lot of like a quick snappy answer is like I didn't open the business to sell the business right 
But you gotta think, like, I've been doing it, we're coming up on 10 years of Revolution being open. We're coming up on about 20 years of me working on this concept of Revolution that I wanted to do with my life, right? And it's like, I will die, right? My kids are 15 and 14, right? I want them to go out in the world and do other things. Maybe in 10, 15 years, I'll have a conversation with them about taking over Revolution, but it's not the time to do that now. That's an obvious one, like, <clears throat> like New Belgium. We just we talked about them. Sierra Nevada, what's next for Sierra Nevada? They've got some family members, right? The idea that like there's some other owner, you can't guarantee independence is the other thing. And so we are all kind of valuing. We think that's important. You're saying like you'll sell beers if they're local and that's the kind of beers you want to sell. And uh, I could sell to whoever tomorrow, but I can't even guarantee, you know, not that I want to do that, but in the end, you have to just be happy and be content, enjoy the journey, enjoy this thing called craft beer, travel, get around, have fun, drink good beers. That matters a lot and that helps keep us independent, you know, come out to good events like this. I'd really uh, rather people not hear me, but okay. Hmm. All right. Um, when I read your book, uh, I was at Backwoods Brewery in Portland, and I... It's a good question here. Let's hmm. listen to it. <laughs> a, uh, an older couple was sitting next to me, a married couple, and the woman started asking me, well, what's your book about? What's, uh, what's the story there? And I was saying, well, it's about Goose Island and the buyout and everything that sort of led up to it and followed it. And her response was, well, what's wrong with people just trying to make a profit? And as it turns out, the husband was one of the three founders of Rogue Brewing. And their brew pub was just on the street. So my question is just... Is there sort of this fundamental difference of people who start breweries to just solely make a profit? And I understand that you don't want to get into something if you're not going to be able to make a living. But uh, is there a difference between people who just want to make a profit versus those who explore brewing more as a craft, more as a way of expression and a way of, well, just... Um, more of an artistic endeavor than anything else. Oh. Uh, did you all hear the question? Yeah. It's basically, he was at a brewery in, oh, it got much louder, yeah, in Portland, right? And he was reading my book, which is awesome, thank you. And a woman asked what it was about, and he said it was about Goose Island in the sale to AB. And she said, well, what's wrong with, you know, selling your business to make a profit? And it turned out her husband was one of the founders of Rogue. So, obviously, she comes at it with her own perspective. Uh, and is there a difference between 
launching a brewery just to sort of turn and sell it and make a profit versus, uh, thank you, being in it for the artistic endeavor and to, you know, have a create a small business in a community. Uh, and probably in my retelling of the story, I'm betraying my perspective a little bit, which I think there's a huge difference between the two. I mean, when Golden Road Brewing sold to Anheuser-Busch, everyone said, who gives a shit, built to sell, you know? It was a slick brand, the beer was just okay, who cares? Same for St. Archer when they sold to Miller. Um, I, think, I think a lot of the success of craft beer is rooted in, I, don't, I hate to fetishize the word, independence uh, and I don't also don't like to fetishize the word authenticity though I prefer authenticity over independence it's just it's impossible to catalog authenticity right but I think that is what works for breweries I think that's what makes breweries valuable to their customers I think it's what makes businesses like this thrive hop butcher has a lot of authenticity they've got a great brand they make great beer uh, you know the artwork is cool it's just it's in a very authentic brand. I think Revolution has been able to cultivate a, a very authentic brand. And I think that is, Half Acre has probably been better at it than anyone. I'm sorry. Uh, and and that, that's, I think, the, a lot of the power of the industry and what has allowed it to grow from 90 breweries to 8,000 breweries. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that. And I think when a company sells, the founder, the person who put his... Uh, his uh, livelihood on the line to create that thing uh, has that person earned I go back to what I said at the very beginning has that person earned the right to do what they want with that company do they deserve a victory lap do they, do they deserve the millions to take care of themselves and their family I mean Tony McGee the founder of Lagunitas is a rich motherfucker right now he was not for a long time he was he was uh, bootstrapping it, and now he's like flying his family home in a private plane for Christmas. Actual story. Um, he earned that. Absolutely, he did. But I don't think that the, the that the the tension between like being disappointed by the sale, uh, but respecting the owner and what they built and their ability to sell are incompatible. You know. So I don't think there's a perfect clean answer, but I do think that the authenticity. Uh, in the brand is what has allowed craft beer to thrive. Um, and then, yeah, when you do sell, you are selling out. You are. If Revolution was sold tomorrow to, well, I won't say Constellation, to Miller, I probably shouldn't even say Miller at this point. Sorry, the, that ship sailed. Well, maybe not the Miller sale ship. Uh, it would, what Revolution means would fundamentally change. It just would. And I think that is okay. But it also doesn't diminish what this guy created you know so those two things sort of live side by side i feel like josh well like uh did crafted open to not make a profit right it's like uh like when you can uh try to tell someone that they shouldn't make a profit you're like anti-capitalism you know and that's like uh illegal you can't be anti-capitalism right and uh you know it's the idea that we like, I think people open business for a variety of reasons. Obviously, if you haven't got it figured out yet, opening some kind of business is a way to make money. It's a way to pass on, like to build wealth, to pass on wealth to your family. Look around this room, it's a whole bunch of white people because white people have opened up businesses and built wealth in this country. And guess what? 
like others haven't, and they've come here. And like I'm a, I come from immigrants of a few, you know, generations ago, and some of them did. And like that's the truth. It's like that's our world that we live in. We res- everyone always responds to what's around them in a little bit, and I think, you know, I I don't feel unnatural opening a business, trying to make some money and be profitable and do what I love. To me, it was like making beer, homebrewing was what got me into it. And I followed up on that. I had a drive. I worked at Guzan for three years. And I was like, I can do it just like them. Isn't there room for some more breweries, right? I think when, when a whole bunch of breweries start failing and Josh Noel is reporting on all these breweries going out of business, then I think people will stop opening breweries and then the rate of breweries opening will be less than the rate closing and the number will come down. It just, it's like the raw truth and that's, we're not there yet. I think you know maybe 2021 or 2022 could be the inflection point. It happened by the way in like um, 99 or something like that. There was a big boom and then they came down and it went up again, right? You mean when there's more closings and openings? Yeah, yeah we're, we're probably it's not reaching that, year, but there's but so many after, breweries so opening. so many that are planned, like you said, Bob. And it's like, you know, so it's like, uh, I hate to crush somebody's dreams, right? I feel very lucky, very fortunate. Uh, we had very good timing. I had spent years working in breweries, giving up some other things in life to do that and pursue that. And, you know, but... It's, it's a wonderful thing to do, though. It's awesome that people ask these questions, that people are, even if, like, I do think, like, jealousy, people, like, want to get in. Man, look at Revolution. I want to do just like what they've done. Look at Half Acre, the local brewery out here. Every neighborhood almost has a brewery now, right? Uh, I think that model of a brewery with a tap room is a better business model. Um, breweries straight to distribution like um, Metropolitan before they had a tap room that was tough for Metropolitan now they have a tap room they can sell some beer to Windy City some beer to a tap room a brew pub a restaurant with a little brewery that's a, almost as hard as a business model as a restaurant and one out of every ten restaurants makes it the year three or four right so it's reality it's just tough but you know it's, it's there for you to go grab and do it I, I, I think, uh, oh, I think just to kind of say, I think, I think craft beer is becoming community-based. I think I, it, we're driven by your by your surroundings. Um, I mean, that's why these rural towns are having craft brews, breweries pop up in their town, and they're becoming destinations because it, it, it's 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 all about the community that's supporting them. They they're, they're they're employing the entire community. They're 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 you know basically providing for that entire community. So. Um, I think that's what's going to keep craft beer continuously alive. We're in a strip mall in the south suburbs, everybody. Yeah. And how awesome is it that there's a community around craft beer right here? A hundred breweries are featured in this store. There's a hundred people here who came out. uh, What day of the week is it? Wednesday. Wednesday. They came out on a Wednesday to hear us talk and drink awesome beers. 20 years ago, uh, there would not have been a beer store like this in a strip mall in the south suburbs. There was barely the south suburbs 20 years ago. And it's like this community did not exist. That's fucking awesome. So you just got to realize what you have. And we'd all be drinking Miller Lite. Miller Lite, man. High all right, life, do it, do high it, life, man. Or High Life. Any more questions? Otherwise, you can come right up and just chat with us. 
All right, thanks All so right, much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so the, the people who bought tickets are going to get your book. I don't know. Talk to Denver. All right, whoever bought tickets, come up. Denver's got a list. I got books. Anyone who wants to buy a book that didn't buy a ticket, I've got additional books for sale. Uh, I'll be sitting here drinking a beer, and Denver will be sitting here with a list. Thanks for coming. <laughs>